You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. And hello, everybody. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Anime Crash Course with me, your host, Kev. Uh, and with us here, we have a wonderful panel of guests. Uh, with us, we have Kian O'Callaghan from The Game Corner. Hello. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I am Kian O'Callaghan from The Game Corner, and it is an absolute privilege to be here for your first episode. Uh, to my, well, to the right of my icon <laughs> in the Zoom call, we have uh, Katie Riley from Doing It For The Exposure. Hi. Uh, again, with this Zoom format, we are underneath me is uh, Lisa from Straight Outta Kanto. Hi, this is Straight Outta Kanto. Thanks for having me, Anime Man. <laughs> and that, that, oof, licenses it. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, okay. And as a special guest, we also have uh, Keith from Horrenda. Uh, for those of you that might not have noticed, uh, Keith also guested with us on our Anime Lockdown panel. Keith, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Keith. I, I, I play in a bunch of bands like Horrenda, Luna Sky, and uh, a super band called Dry Socket. So I'm glad to be here. Oh, I'm absolutely looking them up when, I, when this gets over with. Especially Dry <laughs> Socket. I'm looking them up now. <laughs> uh, Grant, and if the thumbnail hasn't given it away yet, we are here to talk about One Punch Man. One Punch the absolute smash hit anime from uh, 2015. Uh, now, we're only going to be talking about the first season in this one episode. Uh, so, I suppose nowhere, nowhere to start but the start. Uh, so we're actually going to go into a bit of history uh, first. So, for those that might not know, including some of, some of my panelists... Uh, <laughs> Uh, One Punch Man was originally uploaded in 2009 as a webcomic by the author known simply as One. Uh, if you go back and look at and look at this comic, it's incredibly just crudely drawn, like very wobbly line work, very just a very kind of child scribble style. Um. And so yeah, that was uploaded online on I think it was as far as I know it was a weekly basis. But and having I actually went back and read it there last night. It's shockingly easy to read for <laughs> how crude and uh, and and just kind of strange it is. Have any of you guys actually ever ever looked this up? Yeah, I, I, I I'd read the the first um, I- issue issue in quotation marks of the the webcomic like when I first heard about. The manga adaptation, yeah, and I was blown away with how it just looked like children's drawings, but it's so endearing. It's That's it, and like the like it's it's just strange how like when like at first glance you see these wobbly line words, but he has a re- he had a real knack for uh, for just page layout and uh, kind of like for a uh, page layout and kind of action in it. So it's as crude as it, it's shockingly easy to follow. I ended up actually. Reading twenty chapters of it last night, <laughs> just because right. I could just do it like in an instant. Uh, so like between the kind of the the, the the yeah, just the comedy of it really obviously got to shoot just shoot up in popularity. 
leading to Yusuke Murata, uh, a very, very talented manga author, or manga artist, should I say, uh, approaching one and asking him if he wants to redraw this uh, this this webcomic into a more traditional shonen ma- uh, shonen manga series for uh, Weekly Young Jump in 2012. So actually, I suppose before we get into it, have any of you actually looked into the the more traditional manga of this? Uh, we were talking about this off the air earlier. I've read one's other one. Well, Mob Psycho 100, and I'm not sure if it's as crude, but yeah, I was kind of very struck immediately by how simple the art style is. But like you said, you could read 20 chapters of it in like super easily without noticing time by. There is something very arresting about the storytelling in his kind of in his series. Like, yeah, oh um, like, and this is this is definitely the one thing that just translates no matter from the web comics, the manga to even the anime. Uh, hmm. It's all one's comedy. Like they they don't try they don't change it and they don't cut it. It's so it's so on point. But we'll get more into that then when we're kind of talking about the actual show. Uh, so yeah, Yusuke Murata with literally just translating one's writing into a more conventional uh, manga style starts printing this in uh, Weekly Young Jump, and that obviously going from a fairly kind of popular cult webcomic to a massively successful uh, manga series obviously takes a uh, takes over to an anime getting announced uh, and in 2015 studio madhouse gets the license for the one punch man anime for a 13 episode run uh, directed by shingo natsumi of studio Ma- of studio madhouse uh, now for those of you that might not know shingo natsumi is a fairly kind of well-known veteran in the anime industry, having been a key director and animator for series like Gurren Lagann, Fullmetal Alchemist mm. Brotherhood, Space Dandy, and The Tatami Galaxy. So, like, he's a he's a real veteran and really solid animation director. So he heads the show up, and this thing explodes. Truly, just a monstrous amount of popularity behind this show. Um, and this is, and I suppose this brings us up to now, which. Why, which is why we're here. <laughs> uh, so, Thank you. Jeez, I, don't, I suppose where to start with this. Um, Lisa, you've been surprisingly quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, just every, uh, the kind of main comments so far has been like, oh, such a simple style. And it is so simple, but I actually read an article about how hard it actually is to draw. Like, he's deceptively tricky to draw. And use case. Uh, what's his name? Murata was like, do you actually know how hard it is to draw this, considering the fact that he's basically just an egg with the Oh, and that's, that's, <laughs> that's depending on which like look of Saitama you actually try to draw, considering yeah. Yeah. he has about, depending on his mood, he has about five different looks. One which is just the egg and the semicircle eyes. But that's the or hard like, one! Or like, the sharp angles, like, serious face. <laughs> the Spongebob effect. Or it's like hyper detailed when it zooms in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I suppose we'll kind of jump in. We'll kind of go. Pe- we'll break the anime apart. Uh, we'll we'll absolutely dissect this thing now. So I think the first the first thing that strikes you when you watch it is the sheer caliber of animation in this show. 
So obviously, when you're watching it, if you've read the the Young Jump manga, uh, this is more this is more definitely translating that than say the webcomic. But even then, there's actually flashes of the webcomic in some of the styles. They they kind of actually make a solid balance of the two styles. Well, I mean, the style, the two kind of extremes is worth bringing up because, like, there is some elements of parody to this. And, like, just by changing the sort of super detailed One Punch Man, like, with the shadows in his eyes and all that kind of stuff, to the sort of scratchy Simpsons Series 1 looking version, can suddenly just make a joke land without anything in, like, the dialogue or anything like that. Like, I'd argue that's quick switch is like one of its most immediately grabbing features like oh mm, mm. it adds to the deadpan because a yeah. lot of the humor why it's funny is because it's just citing the deadpan to like some of the most ostentatious situations <laughs> and the reversion back to the kind of almost crayon like line drawing it, it completely agree with key and like it's it, it just completely heightens the deadpan and it's also like it's 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 hard to underplay just the significance of when this came out as well. Like, this 2015 would have been really the height of, like, the Marvel boom as well. Like, I don't know which... I Like, I couldn't tell you which MCU movie came out five years ago now. But, like, this uh, would have been... Age of Ultron was 2015, I think. Okay, height might have been actually a bit <laughs> over <laughs> overemphasized. But, like, you know, we're in a real kind of superhero boom in the film industry and then along comes this really polished superhero like cause it's a subversion of kind of superhero of the superhero genre as a whole i i think that's true but equally like because i watched this originally when you recommended it to me a year or two ago in the shop and i've watched a hundred million billion animes since and come back to it it's also kind of a parody of anime tropes because yeah. everyone has all the biggest feelings all the time and everyone has a complicated backstory even in just the simple kind of high school loved ones oh and God, yeah. suddenly it switches to him super not caring it feels like a parody of that aspect too oh yeah no for sure like it's the scene where like he's sitting in his house and genos is just just uh just going on and on and on and on <laughs> feeling very like a very like this this he's a cyborg man and a robot man killed his family and he lives with this yeah. scientist and eventually so I don't just get sick like 10 words or less come on <laughs> oh, I relate so hard to that though like that was the, that was one of the things that um so when I first started watching like I'd never watched One Punch Man before at all so when you guys recommended it I was like this is new and I'm very selective about anime. Like, I'm not hugely into anime, so I'm very selective about what I do watch because a lot of the time I just find that some anime, I'm going to sound like such a snob for saying this, but a lot of anime suffers from manga envy. Yeah. In, no, in I, that, no I let me explain. Let me explain. Yeah. So when you're reading a manga, you know, you're reading panels and there's there's side bubbles and there's thoughts and there's there's all sorts of stuff going into it. And with the anime, you know, how do they convey that? They basically have the characters stand there and talk at you. So instead of saying, <laughs> you know, showing you that he's feeling bored with being a superhero, he stands there and he says, I'm bored with being a superhero. <laughs> so for me, this was like One Punch Man was one of those things where the saving grace for me was the humor and, you know, the slapstick and the deadpan and all of this because every so often I, I start to fall out of it. 
I'd be like, oh, okay, they're talking about it again and again. And so I felt like Saitama when Genos is describing his backstory. I was like, come on, get on with it. And the whole show is really gleeful with like the the villains' monologues, and then him just going, yeah, come on, all right, yeah, you just hit <laughs> okay. one. And like I even think- for like if every character is like defeated in essentially one punch, and you know, and that even in that they're all given hugely detailed uh, backstories <laughs> even if they never show up again it's like especially ridiculous. if they never show up again yeah it's, it's, it's almost like one just writes this entire thesis on one character and then just crunches it in a ball and throws it in the trash well that's exactly it because i did i didn't know i noticed across that there was this big subplot of like first the underworld people wanted to take over and then the sea people wanted to take over and then the lizard people wanted to take over and they're all and obviously the having this like people. big yeah the sky people and they're obviously having this big internal feud which doesn't matter but it is there if you're paying attention and that's bizarre to me but i mean even you know some of the monsters are so huge and so well thought out and the the story arcs over you know two or three episodes and he, he's killing everybody and nobody can beat him and then mm. saitama shows up and hits him once yeah <laughs> you know? I will say, punch man god i like i will say as funny and like as satirical as as the show can be the sea ki- the the deep sea king like arc the two those two episodes like having seen this before, I still well up a little bit. <laughs> oh, because of the because of the guy on the bike, movement, the Moonman rider. rider. Absolutely, oh, like, the, rider. Rider. the mm. way that like even in a show where there is a guy that can just end anything in one punch, the fact that I could still feel stakes—that's mm. impressive. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he's like the opposite extreme because near the end of the series, I know we're probably going to go in narrative order, but near the end of the series, you meet the S ranks. And they're all such obnoxious celebrity types that in a weird way, it's really refreshing to see someone who's just trying his darndest (laughs) and really believes in it. I think if you didn't have that ingredient, the show would almost be too cynical, you know? Yeah, I Rider. Yeah, there's and so even- much harsh in this show, and it doesn't take itself seriously. And even the S-ranked superheroes, they're all just parodies of superheroes or other anime kind of villains and heroes, and kind of the, like the whole thing is a parody kind of of itself. And mm. and and it has so much heart. And Saitama has so much kind of humanity to him, even just the way he's got like that little elephant watering can, or the way he's got like the pink piggy bank, just the tiny little kind of human details add so much more to his personality and his humanity than if he stood there doing a big heartfelt monologue like he he doesn't really say much and when he does it's just to kind of take the piss or like belittle some big situation but then you see these little touches around his house or like with his cactus or him trying to kill a mosquito little things like that add the heart to it that i think if they didn't have it'd be just this guy punching things and it'd be you know who cares and the ironic thing is, upon the second rewatch, I did not realize he was responsible for the foundation of Superhero Society. Like, the yeah, guy who I, I didn't clock up. that either. Yeah, yeah the, the little picture of the head of the Hero Association has the same chin as the kid he saved from the crab. <laughs> no way. What? Yeah, yeah and they, they specify that it was set up three years ago after this random guy saved his kid, like... Oh, oh you know, there's there's so many little that. there's so many little details like that that you can only really kind of gar- gleam knowing what kind of happens later. Mm. So there's so much like there's so much effort put into this to make yeah. every frame worth something. 
Absolutely. And there's even details, like so many little things. I had seen this intro like 13, 14 times. It wasn't until very recently I noticed in the last frame of the intro, he's doing an epic superhero pose carrying his shopping. I think that's <laughs> <Yeah>. lovely. <laughs> yeah. Mentioning it, the, mentioning the intro, uh, first off, it has, a, it has my favorite sight gag in the show. And I cannot explain why. But it's him punching the star. Yes. <laughs> and again, little detail. For some reason, again, only makes it funnier for me. The star is holding a knife. <laughs> it's just the dumbest thing, but I love that. Would it... That sums up the entire show. It's just the dumbest thing, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, so I suppose actually we'll, we'll touch on the on the intro while we're here because it's it's again it's become so iconic with the show. Uh, it's actually it was I was talking to Lisa there the other day. Mm. Uh, you mentioned and I actually ended up watching it as well. One of the extras on the DVD is yes. is talking to the Band Jam Project. Yes. Do you want to do you want to tell us a little, a little bit about Jam Project then, Lisa? Oh, so Jam Project are like this five-piece Japanese uh, band. Uh, Jam stands for Japanese Animation Makers, and they're a group of people that got together about 20 years ago who were professional singers, and they were like, it really sucks that all the anime theme tunes out there are just random pop songs, completely unrelated to the show, just because that singer happens to be in the charts at the time or popular, and they're like, bring back the yeoldy, like, really awesome, epic anime theme tunes of old you know like gigantor and stuff like that mm. and they were like let's just get a band together and write theme tunes for anime so that's what they've <laughs> been doing for like 20 years and they're a band that just writes theme tunes for animes and goes around like on tour singing those theme tunes and and it's just really cool and interesting and they're trying to like preserve the art of anime theme tunes because they're like look this is a cultural entity in and of itself like the epic anime theme tune because it's not just like <laughs> With, with some anime, you can't just put a random song on it, you know? Which Unless I it's actually, Full Metal Alchemist. Mm. Which actually, I, I just sidebar, my favourite uh, my favorite example of uh, a random song being thrown in front of an anime, I think it's an old <laughs> 90s anime edition of Romeo and Juliet, has got oh, no. a Japanese, uh, a, a real dodgy Japanese cover of My Heart Will Go On at the intro. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Definitely check that out if you find it. It's... Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, for, for what it's worth, Prim dances to this song. I've been trying to get a video all week, but my phone is absolute cack at the moment. Uh, Grand, well, actually... Not the, the one punch, not the My Heart Will Go On. I want to find that. Do, do. Uh, <laughs> Keith, uh, you have you've been suspiciously quiet. Have you got any anything to, to add <laughs> about the about the intro? Just, uh, anything, just kind of any thoughts you might have on the series. Well, I I did think it's like amazingly appropriate that um it was animated by a uh, Madhouse, considering like they would be like one of the biggest and best at doing like all these huge shonen animes and even like Satoshi Kon like art house films. So like oh, yeah. they did for a show. That is so, you know, in, like it's so self-referential in like anime and anime history. The fact to that have they, they it got be animated by one of the biggest, the biggest studios in the like industry. The <laughs> one, yeah, like the one, like they have everything from like Hunter Hunter to like Death Note to like uh, Summer Wars. It's it's perfect. Oh, is this the same company as a Death Note? Yeah, and Trigon. Like it's it, it's everything. They, they, they did do Trigon. I forgot. And about Beck. That. I never watched Beck. 
I keep meaning to. That's that's a blind spot of mine. That's great fun. Um, yeah, like it, uh, like Madhouse are one of the top studios in in the industry. Uh, absolutely, and like I go so far as to say that this is their best looking show. Uh, oh well, I mean it's hard to top this, certainly. Exactly, like it is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, like I'm trying. I think the only thing. Sorry, I was just trying to think of uh, of I think any movies they might have done that would look a little bit better, but that's like a movie. Summer mm. Wars, stuff uh, like so, that. Yeah, but that's, Summer Wars. Yeah. That's two hours opposed to seven. I'm thinking out loud. Keith might know the answer. Did Madhouse do the Cowboy Bebop movie, or was that Sunrise? I- I'm pretty sure it was Madhouse. Um, yeah. Sorry, that's, no, it was. Yeah. That's that's just me. Um, okay, I'm postulating now, but. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we're as I think we're we're coming close to a wrap up. Well, we'll actually okay. We've been absolutely shining this show out of its arse. <laughs> Is there anything anyone has to say against? I don't like the outro theme. <laughs> and the the, the end it's like it's it's like it's a still image, and it's just you know a, a sad song. And I I just ended up kind of skipping it. Yeah, I, I like. I will say it. I think I see what they were going for with it. Kind of, you know, have big boisterous action intro, and then have a kind of real solemn. Yeah, real solemn kind of melancholic. Outro, which is also like anime, like cliche. Yeah, like I and I can kind of see because there is like there is a melancholy to to Saitama. Is. As well as that, though, it'll cut from like, sorry to cut across there, but it'll cut from like a big action thing, like an explosion or a cliffhanger, into it, which yeah. is kind of always gets a laugh out of me in a way. I actually, I will say, they keep. I this isn't a this isn't a problem to just One Punch Man. A lot of anime do this. They'll always put scene after the outro. Mm. Ah. that yeah. will that won't be fully unimportant either. Yeah. They usually so like, like lead into the next episode. Yeah, so like you'll you'll almost be missing something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so that like I so I'd actually skip like I as opposed to skipping to the next episode, I have fast. I'd usually have to fast forward through the intro. Yeah, that's what I do to yeah. watch the sim at the end. But um, the bonus of that is you get like the dead villain of the episode doing a funny like teaser thing, which are actually kind of worth sticking yeah, around that's for. Pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> 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 I was just going to say, it's funny though, because with the, just with regards to the dead villain of that episode, one of the kind of unusual kind of uh, narratives of One Punch Man is the fact that it feels like every villain that's in there, it feels like you're in the middle of someone else's story, and that Saitam is just kind of meandering through his life into the middle, like, because in the first episode, I think it is, where there's like the giant super strong guy, and yeah. his brother's a scientist. And it's like, oh, you made me kill my only chan and stuff like that. And it's just like, it feels like every villain there has been on such a long journey. And then Saitama just meanders into it. And it's like any one of those kind of side stories and their deaths from Saitama's punch could probably be an anime in and of itself. Like well, a big I think, to be fair, I think a lot- anime. And it's like... <laughs> I think a lot of those throwaway ones are definitely parodies of kind of classical villains. Like the first one is the first one's just a purple version of Piccolo from Dragon Ball. Yeah, I thought that. I actually I was like, wait, is this Dragon Ball Z we're in now? And like, and that, you could, yeah, you so could you definitely. Okay, com- I was just gonna say you could definitely compare the uh, the the 
the giants that the scientists created to, you know, the titans and attack on titans. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, uh, well, firstly, I was gonna ask if this was before or after My Hero Academia, but this certainly... Was, this was before. Well, the, yeah, no, I think even the manga would have been before, like, uh, the Hero Academia manga. So, this, yeah, this was just before Hero Academia, and I think, again, this definitely gave Hero Academia the step up to become the juggernaut it is. Definitely, but, like, every villain, and sometimes there's two in every episode, but every villain sometimes feels like... Sometimes there's three. Each one of them feels like they could be a worthy antagonist in the end of this big 20-episode-long thing, which I think Lisa kind of said already. Mm. And, it's even, yeah. and it's even lovely, I think Katie can hit upon it, that every villain has its own art style. Like, the Godzilla looks like the Godzilla. A Dragon Ball Z looks like Dragon Ball mm. Z. The other guy looks like Attack on Titan. And that must be so much extra work upon, on top of the already impressive animation. Oh, God, like... I, I, yeah. The character designs, and that's actually, this goes back to, to one. Like, he has such a knack for creating these just diverse and captivating character designs. Like, the one I always love, again, it's so dumb, is the little pink alien dude that, in in, in the alien ship, <laughs> that... With the pink dots on him, and he looks yeah, like Mr. Just, Blobby. That, yeah, that just wants to go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love him. He's so funny. <laughs> I feel sorry for all those aliens. They all get, like, smushed at the end, and it's just like, they just wanted to go home. They weren't even really involved. They just uh, got dragged into it. They're innocent bystanders. That's another thing. And it's, the show does a great job at, like, kind of leaving mystery as well. Like, kind yeah. of leave you, leave you wanting to know more. Like, who, what's Metal Knight's kind of deal? Why mm. has nobody trust him? Who is the number one hero? What's Am I Mask's deal? Why is... Why is he such a wang? <laughs> yeah, he was, I felt like he should have been... He, they were, it felt like they were gearing him up for more of a climax than what we got. Like, he just... Yeah, I just felt like... He, right, he's not even an S-class superhero, but it feels like he has more authority than them. And it that's, felt yeah, like I, think that's, I think he's kind of showing off just the side of how, how involved the popularity vote is. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's a huge ingredient we haven't talked about, because one of the big things, the further you get into this, is that superheroes rescue people, and either superheroes treat each other terribly, or the public treats them terribly. And I think that's an, an aspect, what with the Marvel Civil War, Batman Superman, all that kind of stuff, oh, the, that's the, always the, brought up and never actually followed through logically. The importance of social status in this universe can't be, can't be understated, like... Yeah, it's like, and that's even as far because again, Saitama's the most powerful thing. Most people hate him, and he kind of mm. plays into that now. Yeah, but he kind of like, uses that as a self-defense mechanism. Yeah. Oh no! Like again, I I I, I love the Sea King saga so much. I keep bringing it up because it's my <laughs> go-to. But like when you know that little snot-nosed brat in the crowd is talking about how you know all those oh. other heroes are used yeah. to like, how you know he couldn't have been that strong because this dude took him out with one punch. Like Saitama reeling around crushing his own popularity just to save face of everyone else that the Sea King pummeled to death. He's the real hero. Literally like, oh god. It, and like, it also shows that he's not, he's not dumb. He might come off as it. He's a clever guy. But, anyway. I just kind of wanted to slap that guy in the audience. Oh, yeah. I've actually oh, never looks, been so he, triggered in my life. I'm like, how dare oh, he, you? He has a face worthy of slapping. He <laughs> 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 just deliberately. <laughs> Uh, okay, does, I, uh, does anybody have 
does anyone else? I was actually just going to say, does anyone else have uh, anything else they want to add? Oh, well, I was just, just going to say that 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 um, snot nose brat as you call them, uh, that's like a real like cliche anime uh face. That that that, that oh, kind yeah. of face appears so often, and <laughs> I just I always want to hit him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the absolute best. So we won't. Uh, so I don't think we should go into it too much, but just to note. There was, in fact, a second season. Right. <gasps> oh, my yeah. Mired. Now, now I'm torn. <laughs> mired in some mild controversy. So, the, so, as I said, the original was 2015, uh, and obviously blew up, smash success. Uh, so, the wait for a sequel was hotly anticipated. Uh, and then people were, but li- were kind of left completely in the dark. Uh, until I think it was roughly 2017, they announced that yes, a One Punch Man season two is going into production. However, it was changing studios. <gasps> dun dun dun. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Madhouse is a caliber all their own. So a lot of people took like took this bad. Uh, now it was going over to, to it was being moved over to uh, Studio JC staff, who are kind of an industry veteran. They've been around for a, around for a long time. You know, they have some they have some hits in them, but like they're not nearly as you know top tier as as Madhouse. Uh, and it was also moving director to from Shigenatsume to Shikara Sakurai. Uh, now, as I mentioned earlier, Natsumi was involved in a lot of popular projects. And heading up a lot of lot of really critically acclaimed anime, Sakurai didn't nearly have a lot of pedigree behind him. The most, like when I was looking through, the most notable things I could find from was having a couple of a couple of uh, animation director credits on a couple of Naruto Shippuden movies. So not a whole lot uh, in terms of pedigree there. So this series released in 2019 to middling critical uh, response. The I think the, the critical response was that the writing was still really, really good and the characters still felt like they'd had. However, and yes, this, fo- and just to be clear, this did follow on from where season one left off. Um, however, there was a noticeable drop in animation quality. Oh. Which I found actually really surprising how much of a drop there was, considering JC staff and their animators are actually pretty good. Uh, no, like they'd be known for works like uh, Food Wars and uh, oh. Is It Wrong to Pick Girls in a Dungeon, which are fairly kind oh, of again. They're popular, really good though. Yeah, popular series that you know have good animation. Again, not nearly as high quality as Madhouse and One Punch Man, but like you know, still decent. But yeah, no, they like there's somebody dropped the ball on this one. And that's kind of where we're sitting now. I think they've announced a season three, but there's been no firm details on when that's coming. So I would definitely say if you're going to, if you finished season one and you want to keep going with it, I'd recommend the uh, the manga published in uh, Shonen Jump. I think it's definitely the way to go because it it much much more closely resembles the style of the anime. In, in more so, the anime was based on that manga, should I say. Hmm. Uh, Grant, so uh, I suppose, uh, uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on everything? 
Yeah, I found a cosmic coincidence in oh. between uh, when we were recording the Game Corner earlier and now. Do you remember we were talking about Final Fantasy VII and I asked you who voiced uh, Red Thirteen and we couldn't figure it out? Oh, yeah? It's Max Middleton, who is the English voice of Saitama. Oh, no way! <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I know we're filthy casual for watching it in English. like Actually, uh, that's... I entirely blanked on this. I meant to ask this at the top of the show. Uh, <laughs> how did everyone watch this? Did, every, did did people watch it in English or Japanese? Japanese subs knocked ups. <laughs> so I did the, the filthy, filthy, super filthy casual thing, and I watched <gasps> it in English on Netflix. Virtual <gasps> high five. <laughs> and Keith? Um, I've actually watched it in both. Like, when it first came out, I watched the subs, like, fan subs of it. And, uh, then, then I watched the dub. The dub really works with the the, the show because it's like poking at all those tropes and cliches, and it, yeah, it, it really no, think, helps with the monologues and stuff. Definitely, I think like this is the show. This is the show where I think either option is actually really, really good. If I had to prefer, I think I'd go with the sub. But like the dub is a very solid way of watching this. And is there any reason you picked this one for your, pre- you know, premiere episode? Ah, oh, jeez, like it's, it is, it's what it is. It's, it's one of the most popular anime of all time. I knew it'd be, it'd be an easy one to convince you all to watch, and <laughs> you know, it'd be, I knew, I knew it was going to be an easy one to talk about. Uh, okay, so I think that that's going to do us here, uh, guys. It's been, it's been great having you on. This has been a blast. Um, so. We're going to start plugging stuff now. Uh, Kian, where can people see more of your beautiful mug? Ah, okay. You can find the Game Corner on Facebook or through the Nerds Know Media Facebook page. We are also on Instagram at Game Corner Nerd to Know. That's NTK. And uh, the first four episodes are up there now, and Kev will be joining us there soon. So come check it out. Awesome. Uh, so, Katie. Yeah, you can currently find me at uh, Doing It For The Exposure, which is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if you want to hear a podcast about artists and, you know, their current struggles. Or if you want just general balloony, painty madness, um, I'm on Instagram at mannequin underscore blue. Awesome. Uh, Lisa, where can people more find out more about you? Uh, so Straight out of Canto is an Irish 18 plus uh, nerd magazine show. It's all about horror and gaming, retro uh, gaming and uh, J-horror Japanese culture. If you want to find that, there is a Straight out of Canto Facebook page. We're on a Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, the whole shebang under the Nerd to Know Media banner. And I am on Instagram under Venus underscore duh underscore Bello. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Don't forget the duh. The, obviously uh, the duh. Uh, <laughs> awesome. And Keith, have you got anything to plug here? Yeah, you, you, you can go onto my Instagram. It's drykeith. Um, Keith is spelled with two e's and a t. And uh, there, there, there will have links to like the bands I'm in, like Ferenda and the uh, Luna Sky. And that's it. And I was on your um, uh, anima- anime lockdown. Uh, a stream a couple of weeks ago. Definitely, definitely. If if you like this, definitely check out the anime lockdown stream. We talk about Doki Doki Literature Club. We recorded Amazing. at one a.m. It was a wild time. <laughs> uh, so I've been I've been Kev Coffee. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Kev Talica ninety four. Uh, this has been Anime Crash Course, and we will see you all next month. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
you have nothing else to do on a Saturday, if you like nerd things, now check out Nerd to Know Basis here on Phoenix 92.5 FM, 5pm to 6pm, and then head over to nerdtoknowmedia.com for all of our shows as part of the Nerd to Know Media radio network. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 